You're listening to Perfect Learning with Clear Effect. Welcome to Perfect Learning, the podcast that celebrates the best of workplace learning and bravely imagines what it could be in a world unconstrained by budgets. I'm Tim Jordan, Director of Clear Effect Learning Solutions. This week, we are joined by Monique Brunello, Learning Manager from Relationships Australia, New South Wales. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Monique. It's my absolute pleasure, Tim, and I'm going to add uh, Superstar to my LinkedIn profile. I should hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one of your skills, superstarring. <laughs> Before we get into things, could you give us a quick introduction to your history and how you've gotten to where you are now? Sure. I, I've been in education and training for all of my professional career, and I've been in primary, secondary, vocational sectors, so wow. run the gamut of all those sectors. Absolutely. And in workplace training as well. So um, in all of those separate you know, experiences, I think I've learned a great deal to, you know, lead me into the next step. And I even at one stage had an education show on um, community radio, believe it oh, or not. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> but I think it all boils down to I've always really been interested in helping people move from where they are to where they want to be mm. and, and doing that through education and training. So it seems like a natural progression that I'm here in my current role as learning manager for Relationships Australia in New South Wales. Mm. And my job in this not-for-profit organisation has three areas. Mm-hmm. So I'm involved in the internal training for yeah. all our employees. Mm-hmm. We deliver external professional development courses to community sector organisations yeah. and to corporates. Mm-hmm. And we also uh, deliver external qualifications, so qualifications in counselling, and mediation, and we have an RTO partner that we do that with. That's a full full it gamut there. Keeps me busy. Absolutely. How much out of interest? Like, what sort of percentage of what you've had to apply in, say, primary and secondary, have you brought with you to workplace, or and how much did you have to kind of do differently? I think it's it's a matter of individual differences and I think you pick that up as you as you learn about individual differences in children and adolescences you know individual differences in um, adults Mm. and I think people bring a lot of baggage with them depending on their educational background Mm. so if they've had times that didn't you know go so successfully they can bring that into a training room Mm. or a learning program because we're all people that, um, you know, hold those memories. And I think you just got to have that in the back of your head. Mm. Uh, where people have come from, you know, once they're adults, you know, they've, they've had uh, different experiences in education, their cultural background is different, their language learning is different, they may speak five languages, including English. Yeah. So you just have to bear that in mind when you're planning and delivering training, I think. And I think having those experiences along the line, you know, has brings you to that space where you you sort of understand the people and their varied histories that you're bringing together, you know, to, you know, to work alongside in a learning program. Hmm. And so it's, it's, it's essentially, well, not essentially, but like that it's all almost like you just got to accommodate more baggage. The further, the older people are, the more you have to accommodate. Yeah. And I think you, you, you be upfront with, with that and, um, make sure that it's you, people understanding it's a learning journey for the facilitator as well. Mm. And for, the, for a lot of the training we do here at Relationships Australia, our 
you know, people doing the, the learning are, many of them are practitioners, they're mm. mediators, they're counsellors, they're caseworkers, they're, they're uh, relationship educators themselves in a lot of cases and they do a lot of process work with groups. So they do have a, a great, a, you know, great understanding of how people tick and, uh, but that, you know, doesn't always mean that they always see that in themselves. So it's just a, it's, it's just about reminding them that, you know, we're, we're all in this together and we're, we're all on a learning journey. Absolutely. And you're as much a participant to the process as a trainer as, as you are a, a student, really. Aren't yeah, you? Like, exactly. Yeah, you're learning so much out of that experience. All right. Well, so looking back over your career so far, what is the, the training triumph that you, you'd like to share with us today? I think I've, I've, I've had a passion for blended learning. Um, I suppose, you know, if my experience runs the gamut of a pre-digital age, my God, makes me sound terribly old. <laughs> no, 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 I've um, been there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so once you've got those new technologies, and I think teachers have, and facilitators have done this, you know, for millennia, you, you use what you've got. And mm. as we've, you know, built more technological skills, we can use blended learning to, you know, to, to really make learning come alive and to solve that challenge of the time poor worker. So, yes. you know, you've got this uh, training that, you know, that, that these people need to have, but mm. they have, they're very time poor, you know, they, they don't have a lot of time. So what we've tended to do in the past, I think, is bring people into a training room and then the facilitator you know, wants to tell them all the knowledge they have in their heads. They're great subject matter experts and they, they have all this stuff they want to they wanna tell. Mm. And then when it comes time to practice any of those skills and get people to have a go at them, you know, it's always the last 20 minutes or something. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's really tricky because you, you need a lot of time. And, it, and it's like you, you're sitting there with, you, with you, you know, a colleague and you might be having a bit of a go at, you know, a, 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 a tricky conversation or, you know, a mm. challenging conversation and you've learned some skills to, to try that out. Mm. And you end up, you know, with a colleague who's really not going to put you on your toes much. Yeah. And then you, and then it's like, okay, well now go and try this back at your workplace. And it's, and it's like, well, now I'm going to go back and I haven't got the support of the people in this room to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I've wanted to turn that on its head a bit. Yeah. So what I try to do, and you've got to bring subject matter experts along on the journey with you is yes. work with them to take out any of the elements that could be prepackaged up in an online module. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be readings, it could be a, a variety of different things. Put them on an, in an online mod, module, get people to do that before they come into the training room. So mm. when they come into the training room, it's experiential learning yes. that, and that's the focus of it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that it, I've had a couple of successes with that. Last year we did, um, it, like I was talking about, the challenging conversations. Mm. And they're, they're difficult things for, for any of us in any workplace situation. Yeah. or even at home. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So, you know, we wanted to get out of that, the mindset of, of um, having people talking to their colleagues and practicing these skills. So we worked with an American organization and hired actors to play the roles um, of the, you know, the person that was, you know, you, you were going to have this tricky conversation just, with. And, and that's the and biggest so, challenge because, like, you need someone, you know, any of those role plays actually require a yes. commitment to acting. And, you know, just because you're a good actor doesn't mean you're a good actor. Yeah, that's exactly it. So we had people, you, you would log in to, to a portal and you, you were sort of in, a, in an office 
Mm -hmm. you know, we'd selected the office, we'd selected the scenarios and the avatar of the colleague or person in your team Mm -hmm. appears on the other side of your desk or or sitting beside you, you know, you could, you could choose that. And then they have the the challenging conversation. And so the actor is really going to have a challenging conversation with you. They're not going to let you off like your colleague would in a training room. And so you, you sort of get more out of the situation. And I think what you want with experiential learning is you want people to be uncomfortable. Like people yes. don't like to be uncomfortable. Adults certainly don't like to be uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. You can you can get away with it with kids in schools because they're sort of used to it. They do it every day. Yeah. But with adults, you know, that's what you want. You want you want that. You, you remember Vygotsky, the zone of proximal development. It's like you know, to me, for an adult in a training room, it's you know, you're, you're in that uncom- uncomfortable position. You, 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 you've sort of, you've got a whole hand holding information, you know, mm. and you're not quite ready to, to move forward with information. So you're standing in the middle there and you need, you need that assistance to get to the next step. And it is mm. uncomfortable. Mm. And uh, when I, when I read, you know, evaluations of training and, you know, people said I had fun, I enjoyed it. And I think, Oh, really? <laughs> Uh, that's not what I want you to get out of it. I want oh, you to be a bit uncomfortable and a bit challenged. That's the that's kiss of death, is it? That you don't you that, don't want people having fun? Well, I want people to be challenged. I want people to think this is this is pretty tricky. This is hard. This is uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm going to learn something here. And I think at the end of the training, people get a lot more out of it if you have been able to push them a bit yeah, yeah. out of their comfort zone and get them out of their heads. You know, for for a lot of people, they've got a lot of you know really really important subject matter expertise and information and academic stuff in their heads. But mm. you want to get it out of their heads and into their bodies, mm. so they yes. embody what what you're trying to get through. You know, in in a skill um, building workshop. Yeah, I think some of that is that kind of fear, isn't it? Because you know you know it, but you haven't like I can read about conflict management and resolution all day, but that's and and understand the principles of it, but actually having that conversation is is the real skill isn't it it's it's the yeah. personal kind of someone there's aggression or there's something right in front of you and and you need to be able to respond to that and apply those skills practically and that that is really uncomfortable it is it absolutely is and so my job i see my role as making sure that the facilitators have enough time in the training room because it's very precious time mm. and i don't want them to have to spend time with the theory I want them to be able to spend time with the experiential stuff. So that's my role is getting the other stuff out and putting yeah. it in a package that we can get people to do beforehand and really think about before they get into the training room. Yeah, yeah. Would, uh, just really just to sort of briefly reflect back on it, so then what's the evaluate the, the, the post-course evaluation that you like? Is it someone who says, I hated that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like that either. I like no. people that say, look, you know, that genuinely challenged me and I, and I came away with things that I didn't know uh, mm-hmm. and, and things that I really, really am excited to apply now back in the workplace or with my clients or, or you know, or my colleagues. You want a real training training buzz when you when you in a training room or you walk past a training room. Mm. I, I really it, it's disappointing to me to to go into a training room and there's a facilitator, a PowerPoint, a digital projector, and everyone's sitting quietly in yeah. in their you know in their groups around tables. Uh, I really want to hear a buzz. I want to hear um I you know I want to see the facilitator. You know especially our facilitators that are practitioner trainers. I want to see them being able to use that time with the people in the training room to be to really experience 
what it is that they're trying to get across and what they want to see in the workplace, what, what change of behaviour they want to see. Mm. I want to see them practising that. Uh, you, so that I think that's the only way you're going to get people to move back into the workplace and do that. Absolutely. And do you think that when you're when your focus is that kind of training that you need to give people some kind of preface to it to say this may challenge you but you should embrace that or is it better that they don't know it's coming so they don't kind of get their guard up? <laughs> I think uh, with adult learning, no, I think you have to be um, upfront with adults yeah. because I, I think, yeah, tell them exactly what, what it is that you, you where you're heading. Mm. I also like to have people, supervisors and managers in the room or, or as part of the training development so that once people go back to the workplace and you want to see the changes um, mm. that the training has, has, has brought for them, that you can measure that and you can get them to talk about it. So when they're talking with their team leader or their manager or their clinical supervisor, they can actually talk about the things that they learned and the things that they tried out. Mm, uh, yes. And that and that sort of, you know, double loop learning then, would, you know, what I, what I would hope to see is that information come back to the learning team to see what's next then, where do we take that next um, um, so that all of that learning links together. I think that's very much underestimated. Like that's something that I've, I've had. Like it, it's difficult to achieve with, with digital, which is predominantly where I've, I've obviously focused my energies. But to try and bring, yeah, you need the mentor. I think to to, to have that continuity yeah. of, of the experience and have someone because then you know you get the observation of how you're trying it, applying it, and bringing it forward. That's trying to. I've been trying to do a lot of work and trying to bring that into learning journeys where the there are tasks for the manager in that process as well or the, or the person who most logically fits that role so i think that's great to have yeah, the line managers and supervisors there because they can really carry it forward because ultimately it's in their interest as well yeah oh absolutely yeah it is because you, you know when i when anyone brings us a, tra- a you know training program idea it's like well what what do you want to see that that's not happening now mm. and, and work from that because i think you know that what goes on in the training room is the beginning it's only the beginning and what happens then when people take that back and transfer those skills? That's mm. where the rubber hits the road and that's where you need those mentors and mm. you need conversations going on about what was difficult, what, you know, you, you, there might be, you know, more complex situations that we might yes. need then a second follow-up training and, yeah, yeah. you know, let, let's look at some complex case studies and work from there. So, yeah, that, um, that, that's a really important aspect of um, learning for me. So obviously, I think it sounds like very much the focus is the experiential learning. And I, and I think that's really important because then, you know, it's really bringing it to life. What sort of success or what sort of what methods have you used to get for the theory component to kind of that prep stuff? Well, I, I suppose it really depends on the funding that you've got for that particular project. If mm. it's if we're able to build some more sophisticated training and use an external you know vendor for that then we mm. certainly we certainly have done that and we and that's great but but it doesn't have it, it really depends on what you you're trying to do it might be that you've got a powerpoint slide you know mm. a slideshow you've got some narration you've got a bit of reflection activity uh, you've got a couple of readings you know often there are academic readings attached to the training that our practitioners are doing mm. because it's something that's topical and uh, you know it's, it's something new so there's a bit of a blend of that and I think if you can divide it up into smaller chunks too you yeah. don't want people to log on to your lear- learning management system and find they've got you know you know the next hour to do something you yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. you know it's a bit tricky so yeah break it down into chunks 
and and let people know upfront what you know the, the training involves not only the the face-to-face workshop that they're coming to but but also a blended you know program as well they'll be doing something online beforehand and what so you know upfront with the expectations that they will have done that it's an interesting challenge that i've come across with a few different clients is is like how do you treat people who don't come with the theory do, do, do they get turned away I know that's so hard with adults it's uh, it's you've got to bring adults along with you so I sort of think of it they might do that the first couple of times they come to a blended learning program but as soon as they start to realize that they're not going to get as much out of it Mm. as people that did put the time in I think that then you're going to get them down the track at, at yeah. one. They're going to go, oh, actually, I've really, got to, I've really got to put some time in my calendar to do that pre-work mm. because I want to get something out of this. And adults, you know, an adult learning principle is, you know, that they, they just won't engage or, or they won't, you know, really try with something that they just don't think there's much in it for them. Yes. So you've really got to bring them along and, and you know, say to them, this, this is the reason we're doing this, this is going to be – this is going to make your job easier or it's going to give you a new toolbox toolbox of um, skills. So it's so definitely worth doing the, um, the pre-work. So, so really just getting the personal motivation up yeah. like, and the personal it's accountability. It's all about that. Group. Yeah, 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 definitely. And, and it's not, I think, I mean, just by the sounds of the training that you're doing, I think people are probably more likely to be a bit more invested in it than, than say, I don't know, you know, workplace compliance training like no one's going to do any pre-reading on that or very unlikely <laughs> to whereas if it's you know if it's so cl- clearly correlated to your professional role your professional development and, and it's going to help you day to day it'd probably be a lot easier to speak to those motivations yeah um, and i'm very very lucky to have um you know we have a practice quality innovation team that are very very highly skilled accomplished practitioners with so much knowledge and and subject matter expertise behind Mm. them that the the people coming to the training are absolutely looking forward to seeing them and seeing what they can provide so they that they that does give us some buy-in definitely absolutely in that respect because i mean no matter what the subject is if the person talking about it knows it really well it's interesting like you just yeah you you know I, i could listen to someone talk about alloys in bolts if they knew what they were talking about i'd be like yeah that's really interesting can you tell me more about the history of bolts <laughs> oh, okay excellent. i'll take your word for that no maybe not i know what you mean there are yeah. some people whose um presence and knowledge they're just, they're just very impressive and uh you 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 want to you want to soak in everything they know yeah, yeah, and I think it's probably that mixture of, of the knowledge and and then the passion for it. Like passion is so infectious. When if someone's enthousi- if someone's got the level of enthusiasm, maybe the bolts is a stretch to be honest. But like most things, like I think you know, if someone's passionate about it and 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 articulate and really wants to share it, it's it's so it's a lot easier to go on that journey with them. Yeah, um, absolutely, and that that's where you know I my I, I really do see my role as to help them delineate the stuff that can be put on an online module and and so it gives them time to explore all of those really important you know parts of the topic with the people in the room and and get them to experience and practice some of those skills. Mm. Thank you for sharing that many. That was really good insight and, and I think I've got a lot out of that. I'd, I've been really doing a lot of uh, thinking recently about experiential learning and, and how you bring it into the journey. And it, uh, it's really good to hear your experiences in that. 
And now it's time to put you to the test with Uh-oh. the Wheel of Training Challenge. So I haven't shared any of these with you, but so I will give you just a quick sense now of what we're possibly looking at. So any any of these will be sort of whatever I bring to you in this, it'll be something fundamental and really significant. So like it's kind of, it's unconstrained by budget. So you will have been given the brief to fix this or the training parts of this. And we don't have to stick within the constraints of training. We might need to take this a bit wider. You might need to make up a policy to make it work. But we just, we'll just we brainstorm, we'll work through it. But some of the ones that we've got, we've got a new tech rollout. We've got a culture issue. We've got a skill shortage. Uh, we've got underperformance, leadership failures. I also have managed to bring world ending as, as a possible scenario that you have to fix. So I'm going to spin it and... What do we got? Oh, so good. A culture issue. Sorry, Monique. At Relationships Australia, a significant number of employees have been aggressively denying the existence of COVID. (laughs) They've been arguing and intimidating anyone who disagrees with them. And it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's a proper challenge. It's a culture issue. I was hoping we get this one. So there are organizational policies that have been brought in that confirm that Relationships Australia believes in COVID and that you're going to have, that you're bringing in a zero tolerance policy for COVID denial. What happens now? My goodness, that's a massive challenge, Tim. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's okay. All right. Again, I think, you know, even going back to the early part of our discussion, we were talking about adult learners and the fact that they bring a lot to whatever learning experience they're going to have or their workplace. They're going to bring all that positive, negative, all that Mm. fantastic human experience uh, that they've had up to that point. So I think we've always got to be mindful that that can and does and will impact on how they believe any particular piece of information. Yeah, With absolutely. COVID, it's yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? It's it's science and it's it's belief and it's mm. it's fear. It's all of these things that can feed into what people are are thinking and and saying. So that that really takes a lot of thinking through because I just don't think you can solve this problem by mandating you will do this and you won't you know and you won't do that the key is bringing people with you and, and i think if if relationships australia were to bring a zero tolerance policy to COVID denial it would be in a very different it wouldn't be even described as that it would be a, a firm but fair thing um or you know indeed anyone i think you're right because you, i don't think coming in hard heavy-handed with this would work so you've got to do a lot more kind of empathetic thinking around it, don't you? Yeah, and in any workplace, there's going to be a range of opinions about this this issue as there are, you know, any number of other issues. I mean, you can have a, a policy on what is our public expression on, on, on um, COVID or, or yep. any other topic, and, and that's one thing. Mm-hmm. I think my take on it would be, you know, looking at the at the, at the workforce, you know, these are people that are 
highly educated, but I mean, mm. there are a lot of highly educated people that, you know, have a range of opinions on, on COVID and on immunization and on, you know, any, all sorts of things. But mm. I think I'd go with the science, a science perspective. Yep. Um, you know, there's a lot of good science, reputable science. There's a lot of reputable speakers on the on the subject and mm. so i think that would definitely be part of your part of your program you know part mm. of your your toolbox you, yes. you need to have all of that scientific data behind you mm. and we've got a fantastic research team so i'd be getting them onto that yes um, and so you need to that and that absolutely would have to be a you know, fundamental part of it and it's something it's, it's something i think you know obviously like large parts of the world are grappling with around how to address that attitude and that thinking because it doesn't seem to be necessarily grounded in in fact or, or mm. like you say it does seem to be an emotional response a trust response or, or something that's coming from something deeper so how could you tackle that facet of it like in, in a workplace to sort of because i think you'd have to I, I don't think you know i think the science might be or a grounding in the science will be a good starting point for a lot of people who, who perhaps just haven't haven't had that exposure to credible people explaining in a calm and rational way that this is what's happening. And then you probably have that core of people who there needs to be a conversation, something more, like around where is this coming from, do you think? Yeah, and I think, I think if you tackle it from also lived experience, mm. you know, people's lived experience, I think that really... Uh, has a, a real emotional resonance with people. So mm. if you can find examples of people who have, you know, had the disease, lived through the disease yes. um, at, at very, you know, the various stages, you'd have people with long COVID, people who made it out, you know, mm. well, people had, you know, obviously had relatives who didn't. Mm. I think if you take it from that, because I suppose it's it's again in terms of where you want people to come to. Mm. It's what what do you want them to what do you want them to do that they're not doing now? Are they mm. are they you know di disrupting and upsetting other colleagues because of their their the way they're talking about it? Are they have they said something to a client that mm. you know is going to be very tricky? But yeah, I think that there's going to be a line in the sand for for the public face yes. and what you what you know clients and customers hear. There's definitely, you know, you've, you, you've got to follow the policy on that as you've got to follow the policy on many other things. Yep. How people talk to their colleagues is a, is a different a different problem, isn't it? Because it's sort yes. of, it's in the workplace, it's not public facing, but still you, you might be getting distress and anger and fear and people not being able to do their work well because of that, that atmosphere. So I think you have to address that. Um, pretty straight up with yeah look look you know the science I think the lived experience examples but you know as you said there's a lot of misinformation and um and, and it does tap into you know emotional wells in people that go deep so I think you know you'd really have to dig into a particular team you know if, if it was mm. affecting a particular team and and really have you know a close close watch over what was actually happening in that team and what you could do to help by you know talking to everyone in the team and and getting their perspective on it i think would be really important 
And then it's like you say, it's 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 the more like respectful treatment of people. So there's probably people who you won't necessarily win over, but that there'll there'll always be differences of opinion in workplaces. It doesn't mean that you can intimidate the people who disagree with you. So regardless, yeah, of that's right. Why yeah, you're intimidating yeah, absolutely. someone, you shouldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. And we, and there's definitely you know policies, procedures, employee assistance program, and. And, and in other ways that a team leader, a manager or a, a senior person could mentor that, you know, that person and, and, and maybe dig in a little bit to what was underneath that expression. Yeah. I think you've, you've nailed that. Because that um, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of, I, I, I wrote that up and I thought, oh, it's really good, but oh, it's really difficult. Because I think, because you, 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 you would, I think you'd flip, not flip, but you know, you'd get some people who just who just hadn't got the information, and in yeah, the lived experience is great. Like that will really, I think, resonate with a lot of people, because you know, you see you see guff on Facebook, but then you hear a real person talking about it. That that should hopefully hopefully win a lot of people over, and and then that hardcore who who just yeah, you know, this is what they think. You've just got to treat it like any other potentially contentious topic. In the, in yeah, the that's right. And, and, you know, we, we live in workplaces with that, you know, on any number of topics, don't we? Yeah. And we, yeah. we, we muddle through it. So I think um, as long as everyone is respectful um, and, we, and we have, a, you know, those workplace procedures in, in place and, and mm. everyone's has a line manager and people that they can talk to if they're on the receiving end of something that's not quite right behaviour mm. or you know they're, they're feeling vulnerable in in whatever way that they have someone that they can they can talk to and i think the quicker you can do that the better mm. so that you don't you know if you if you've got that culture in your workplace where people do feel they can go to a line manager and discuss something then you can nip nip things in the bud yes i think if you if you let them go on it can mean that the some relationships can be a bit toxic and you, you don't want to go down that track It'd almost be that'd probably actually be almost your your higher priority in that really, wouldn't it? It'd be about you know a big sort of uplift and focus on what do you do if you don't feel comfortable in in the workplace, like to to, to address those issues really quickly, so that you know the, the sort of secondary issue around you know, COVID denial becomes sort of almost like negated fairly quickly because people are are having the 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 confidence to recognize that they're being that the behavior is not okay and addressing it quickly yeah yeah um, i think that's that's really important yeah. and i think there's a lot of simmering issues with people in generally in workplaces and not that much is known about the employee employee assistance program that most uh organizations have mm. and the ability for people to get some you know uh, counseling some some support and to talk to a, a totally separate person independent yeah, yeah. person they can actually go and have a conversation with them and i and think we've got a pretty poor take up of eap programs in in australia and that's yeah, um yeah. that's really unfortunate because i think people could really benefit from that and i think if you can talk to a totally independent person about you what what's going on for you i think that can be very helpful mm. yeah definitely absolutely and, and probably then to be in a position to not, i'm not saying i say push back on but sort of, you know, like defend yourself and make sure that you keep yourself safe in, 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 in those situations. Definitely. Ah, fantastic. Well, 
I don't think there's many more to be done for for, for, for your COVID deniers and, and relationships Australia. I think they're all just to put it on the record, Tim. I I don't think we've got any any more than um than any, any workplace. But it is interesting, isn't it? Because people can hold opinions about all sorts of subjects that you don't even ever know about really. Oh, of course. Until yeah, yeah. the the topic is, you know, on the news or or something like that and then somebody might say something and you think, Oh, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realise, you know, that people would think that or that's a bit I, different to what I think or it's very I, interesting. I have some distant uncles and aunts and, and, and who, like, I would never have known until I, like, I had them on Facebook and I went, oh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know you were you were into that. Or, uh, yeah, and there's just things that would, yeah, would never come up at family conversations. Yeah, and I think I think knowing how to deal with that, you know, we've all we're all on the socials and um, and learning about each other in ways that we we wouldn't wouldn't have known before, and and it yes. is an important skill to learn how to deal with that and manage that respectfully and and in and in terms of safety for yourself and and yes. other people, definitely. Yeah, and I think oh, I mean you see it in America like that, that division that seems to be. Like, fueled by social media by the fact that people are kind of like there's the ability to say vile and toxic things to, to each other in a way that is is, is sort of removed and that kind of amplifies and people get those kind of you know enemy mindsets or, or it's it's yeah yeah actually, it's it's horrifying yeah 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 whereas yeah it, it, it and probably it's probably a very constructive environment in a workplace to to be able to like address them or is it just to start working on those attitudes because people do have to work together in those spaces. And, yeah, and that's very true. And I think the diversity, if you've got a diverse workplace of people from different cultures, backgrounds, ages, communities, you know, I think that gives you strength as well. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. We've got some really good insights from you. Thanks, Tim. It's been an awesome experience. I've had a lovely time chatting with you today. Oh, fantastic. I'm really pleased. Thank you.